Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSilicast Podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, February 17th, 2019, and this is show number 719. Well, we're coming to you live from uh, Lindsay's house right now. We've got a couple of dogs, a baby. We're uh, coming from different laptops, different microphones. It's anarchy. It's awesome. We're having a really good time. Well, after a hiatus that was far too long, we're joined this week on Chit Chat Across the Pond by none other than Donald Burr. Even if you don't think you'd ever want a 3D printer, I guarantee that you will enjoy hearing Donald explain the different models of 3D printers, how you can actually buy one now for far less than you would think, and how you can actually build one from a kit. In his wonderfully humorous way, he teaches us how not to do it and how to fix the mistakes that you're inevitably going to make along the way. I smiled throughout this entire conversation. It was fantastic. Donald wrote up every single thing he talks about for the show notes, so there's lots of link goodness for everything. And as always, you can find this episode under Chit Chat Across the Pond or in our world, Chit Chat Across the Pond Light, Donald Burr on 3D printers. Okay, we've got a bunch of more great interviews from CES, and I have two articles for you, so we better kick into gear. Well, it wouldn't be CES for me if I didn't stop by the Night Eyes booth. I've been torturing these people year over year after year. Actually, I think I might even have met you guys at Macworld the first time. So yeah. been going way back. This time I'm talking to MJ Smoot, and uh, I'm addicted to your little uh, twist, I think. What do you call the gear ties? Ooh, gear ties, yeah. Gear yep. ties. I mean, I buy them in all the colors, buy them for my family and everything. So, And I'm, uh, I'm currently wearing for this interview the dog collar that we bought for uh, Tesla, but you've got it. This is an upgraded version, correct? This is. This is the Night Howl rechargeable. So it's rechargeable. New, rechargeable. Nice. Uh, this also has the Disco Select, so you can have it in party mode like we've got now. Nice. Or changing colors. colors. So I walk at night. I wear. I my dog wears this. I wear tag lits as my little yep. blinky lights. So uh, I got that covered. What is the new stuff you're taking a look at this year? One of the things we're really excited about is the new line of runoff waterproof bags. So six different size travel bags. Uh, the most exciting piece of this is the technology behind it. So we invented a brand new type of waterproof zipper oh. called True Zip. It's the first uh, sliding toothless waterproof, dustproof zipper on the market. Wow. Great thing about this is it allows us to make some very small uh, waterproof bags all the way down to like a wallet size to keep some personal items up to a large packing cube. So keep what's safe inside. Or if you add something like shampoo, wouldn't spill out and get the rest of your stuff. Oh, that is totally necessary. Now, if you guys were anybody else and you told me you had a zipper that would that would continue to work and that was waterproof, I would not believe you. But you guys know <laughs> material science. We have. You know, um, one of the gentlemen that invented the gear ties um, used that same Wait, I can tell you what material. it is. You got it from the, the material for the gaskets they put around windows on cars. Similar. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. that same, or I should say similar extrusion type of technique um, going into the technology behind the zipper. It took us about four years to really get it right. Now, your PR rep said something about self-healing? Self-healing, yeah. What does that mean? So unlike a traditional zipper with teeth, if it were to come apart, you could slide it against itself and close it, and it's going to repair itself. Oh, wow. So another great thing, too, because it doesn't have teeth, 
it's not going to snag your clothes if you have a shirt or something that gets in the track there. Sure, sure. And so these come in all different sizes. These are called runoff, correct? That's it, runoff. All right, cool. Well, this has been fun. It's always fun to stop by. I learn something new every single year. And if people want to find me your products, where would they go? Nighteyes.com. All right, or my Amazon affiliate links for all this stuff. Yeah, that's a great place, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, can you tell that I'm a giant fangirl of Night Eyes' stuff? Now, this wasn't the most exciting thing they've ever shown, but I got to tell you, check out Night Eyes products. There is there is something for everybody there. I love these guys. One of the darlings of the iOS community is a company called Bridge, B-R-Y-D-G-E, for the keyboards they make that hook to the iPad Pro and the iPads and uh, make them almost like a, a laptop without all the annoyances of a laptop. So I'm here with April DeHaan of Bridge to tell us about what they have new this year at CES. So we're super excited this year to release uh, our new iPad Pro keyboards. Uh, so we, we announced a couple of months ago that they were coming. Uh, this is the first time people have been able to get their hands on them. And uh, in fact, you know, we did a live Instagram yesterday to show our, our online audiences what, what they looked like and felt like uh, and press the button on pre-orders. Um, oh, wow. How'd that go? Phenomenal. Yeah, we like <laughs> to say we scary uh oh moments. A little, but uh, we like to say we went viral. Um, so no, it, it far exceeded expectations, um, and, and we're super excited to, to keep that momentum going. So let me let me push this down so it looks correct. That one's not in. We didn't seat that one correctly when we messed with it earlier. So what we're looking at here is a is a keyboard that looks like a little MacBook Pro keyboard essentially, exactly. and then it's got um, a slot that's part of the hinge that's flexible that lets you slide the iPad in there and then show us its cool party trick what else can it do Uh, well, <laughs> you can pull it out, right? Yeah, so basically it's a detachable keyboard. Um, while it's in this kind of laptop mode, as we call it, um, you know, you, you can... Lift it up by the iPad um, and it's connected. And I right? guess the whole purpose of it is, is you know, you're on your lap, you can type easily. You're laying down, you change the hinge, you know, um, and, and, it, and it has that full 180 degree rotation, um, you know, to match whatever right, right. you're in. Sure, sure. So then uh, the other gentleman was showing me you can just pull, slide it out and, and flip it around 180 yeah. degrees. So we, we tried to find it, and the, these new iPads are shaped in a way that has allowed us to do this with the, with the latest model. That's right, because they're symmetrical now, right? Exactly. Um, and, and what it allows us to do is match and, and use and keep the keyboard on for whatever and however you're using the iPad. So we have... She's just pulling it off. Included. And she's going to flip it around like, like magic here and slide it back into the magic. slots. So it's got a, a nice little just friction mount that it goes into, right? Yeah. So these are our patented <laughs> hinges um, that basically allow you to, to have that full 180 degree viewing experience. And and because of the symmetrical nature of the new iPads, we can flip it, you know, into the other side of the hinges and turn it into what we call, I mean, put that in properly. Basically, you can make it a FaceTime camera. You can be cooking off of it, whatever you want. It's like a stand now. You're watching a movie. It's a stand. But then you're also, you know, you're on a plane. You've finished your typing. You're putting it into tablet mode, and it's a tablet again. Right, right. Um, Now, show us the back of it here because you guys have added... um, as a little bonus prize with the bridge keyboard, you also get some protection for the backside of the uh, of the iPad, correct? Exactly. So, you know, the, the keyboard itself provides a beautiful protection to, to the screen of the iPad. Um, we wanted to offer the option to protect the back of the iPad. You know, it so how does this stick to the back of the iPad? So it's, it's magnetic. Just, oh, okay. It uses the magnets in the new in the new iPad form factor 
uh, and literally snaps on. Um, Wait, let's put it on nicely. Let's put it on properly. She just put it on kind of janky there. There you go. Well, it sticks so well, it'll stick in whatever orientation. Right. There you go. Um, okay, so that's the, the 9.7 inch. Uh, or, the 11 uh, sorry, 11 inch and the 12.9. Yes. Now we're going to be nice to our Google Pixel friends. Right. The Google Pixel Slate. Now, what have you what have you done with this here? So this, this being our Bridge G-Type, this was our first made-for-Google product that we released in 2018, uh, and it's it's the you know the perfect form factor. Other same kind of device, but for Google. Slate. Exactly okay, but right. Now you've got a keyboard and trackpad. We do. Here. So as part of um, CES 2019, we've released our um, Chrome OS desktop range. So we've got our wireless desktop keyboard and wireless desktop touchpad, um, which are both the first uh, Chrome OS dedicated. Uh, wireless keyboards and touchpads. So very, very nice. That's beautiful. That's a gorgeous keyboard. Uh, keyboard. The, the, the play on that is nice. I hate to. I don't want to be mean, but it looks as nice as a, as an uh, Apple Apple extended key or an Apple keyboard. <laughs> I like it. All right. If people want to learn more about these keyboards and uh, check out buying them themselves, where would they go? So head over to Bridge. Remember B R Y D G E Bridge dot com. Everything is there. Great. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, the bridge keyboards for the iPad are absolutely beautiful. They're very good keyboards, in my opinion. Remember, I said goodness of a keyboard is an opinion, and they do protect your iPad, at least on the screen side. But they come at a huge penalty in weight. The bridge keyboard for the 11-inch iPad Pro weighs 1.14 pounds. It doesn't sound all that heavy, but the 11-inch iPad Pro by itself is only 1.03 pounds. That means the keyboard more than doubles the weight of the 11-inch iPad. Turns out the same is true for the bridge keyboard on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro as well, coming in at 1.5 pounds. To put this in perspective, a 12.9-inch iPad Pro plus the bridge keyboard actually weighs more than a 13-inch MacBook Air. And it weighs just a a tenth of a pound less than a 13-inch MacBook Pro. That's 2.91 pounds versus 3.02 pounds. Now, personally, I love Apple's new keyboard Folio as a better option. It weighs 0.65 pounds for the 11-inch and 0.9 pounds for the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. And remember, the keyboard Folio from Apple also covers the back of the iPad, giving it extra protection where the bridge keyboard does not. But looking at it the other way around... Perhaps you're not a fan of the MacBook Pro keyboards or the MacBook Air keyboards. You can get an iPad Pro with a bridge keyboard and have what might be a much better keyboard for you. As always, I think it's best when we all have good choices. Pick what you like, but pick it with your eyes open. Last week, you hopefully heard or saw our interview with Manu Menon from Axis about their Gear Smart Shade motorized controller. Steve was so intrigued by this device that he actually ordered one for us. Now we can give you a hands-on review. The problem to be solved is that every evening, Steve goes to our vertical blinds on the front of the house and he closes them for privacy. Then in the morning, he reverses the process to allow the daylight in. It's not hard, but it's definitely tedious. They're kind of hard to pull and you have to kneel on the couch to reach the string loop. And no matter which side you pull, you grab the wrong one first because they strung every other window in the house the opposite way. Takes a half a dozen pulls to get them to open as well. Now we're used to devices from CES being vaporware or at the very best coming out years after you first see them. When I tweeted that we had ordered the Axis gear, Raj Dute, uh, he tweeted back to me that he had seen them at CES two years ago and he was curious whether they would actually deliver. 
Well, in just a little longer than it took him to produce the video, Steve received his Axis gear on Tuesday. Inside the Axis gear box was a getting started label that had a QR code begging to be scanned to get the gear app. Sadly, they printed it in wee tiny letters, or not letters, they printed it wee tiny, and the ink bled so that it was unrecognizable by our iPhone cameras. Not a huge deal, it was an easy trip to the App Store to get the Gear app, but, you know, I like to complain about things. Anyway, I have to say, the Gear app is really good. They walk you through step-by-step what to do, asking you questions along the way, and then tailoring the installation instructions depending on your answers. For example, at one point, it needs to know if you're going to be adhering the controller to metal or wallboard, and the instructions are different depending on the path you choose. The only thing not to like about the app was that if you have to step away to do something and your phone goes to sleep, the app loses its place and you have to start over. Now, it's not a huge deal because you can flip through the screens really, really quickly. It's just like tap, 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 tap. It's it's not that big of a deal. In the package, there are a few parts. The main controller is a rectangular box about six inches long, maybe like two inches square. It comes with a mounting bracket, a wall charger with what looks like a MagSafe connector, and a solar panel with the same connector. Sadly, our front window faces north, and being in the northern hemisphere, we don't get any direct sun in that window at all. It's a pity, really. So we can't use the solar uh, charger. Now, it's important to note that gear works with any shade that has a loop, either a chain or a cord as the mechanism to open and close your blinds. The gear controller has a plastic gear around which you feed the loop of your shade's pull, chain, or cord, and then the controller slides into the mounting bracket. But before you can do this, you have to remove your old equipment. This turned out to be pretty much the hardest part. It was much more physically challenging than we'd expected. The old equipment in our case is simply a four-inch piece of plastic with a spring at the bottom that's screwed into the sidewall to put tension on the cord. And then at the top, it has an embedded roller through which the cord is fed. The hard part wasn't removing the single screw that held the uh, spring in place. It was getting the cord out of the of the little um, the little loop thing without simply breaking the plastic piece with the roller. We weren't 100% certain that the new device would work. We didn't want to have to go hunt down for some replacement part for this uh, for this blinds, this set of blinds, I should say. Armed with a pair of pliers held by Steve to try to gently squeeze the plastic bracket open enough and a small screwdriver precisely placed by his trusty sidekick, Allison, we were able to pop the wheel out without any damage. Now, you have two options on how to attach the mounting bracket to the wall, with a couple of screws or with double back tape. The tricky bit is getting the placement correct. You have to have at least three inches from any interference below the module, so or below the mounting bracket, I should say, so you have room to mount the controller. But in the other direction, you have to have it low enough that you get enough tension on the pull cord to allow it to grab and move the cord. They give you a nice template to hold up to make sure you'll be able to get it all in place correctly, and the instructions in the app are really, really clear. After Steve got it installed, he excitedly followed the instructions to touch and hold the on button to turn on the gear, but it didn't turn on. He tried everything he could think of to get it to come on, but there was no joy. We looked online at the troubleshooting section and the Axis web pages, and it said that you had to be sure the back panel was on the unit or it wouldn't turn on. Well, the plastic gear looking thing we figured had to be exposed or you wouldn't be able to put the cord around it. So we figured the bottom half being covered was what they meant about having a back panel on it. We were really sad that it didn't work. Steve went online and he found that they have a way to schedule a phone call for support through their online system. How cool is that? I mean, 
schedule a phone call. But the really cool part is the person actually called at the time of the appointment Steve requested. That never happens, right? Anyway, they didn't even mock him when they explained that the back cover that goes over the gear had to be on. And sure enough, it was still in the box. Oh, well, it gave Steve a chance to exercise the support folks just for you so you would know they're really good. Well, the lovely support person, Christopher, or I'm sorry, Christoph, stayed with Steve throughout the rest of the setup, which was actually the fun part. I missed it. When the gear first comes up, an LED strip lights up in red at the bottom and and the top to indicate that it still needs to learn where fully opened and closed positions are. On the end of the controller, there's a set button. You hit that button when you've got the blinds fully opened, and you'll be rewarded with a green light on the top of the LED strip. Repeat the procedure to set the fully closed position, and the entire LED strip will flash green to let you know the gear's configuration is complete and your motorized window shades are ready for use. We have vertical louvered blinds, and when they're drawn closed and louvered closed, they're impossible to draw open even by hand. You can have them partially louvered closed and draw them, so that's how we have them set to ensure that we don't burn out the motor on the gear. Unfortunately, gear does not support louvering the blinds, just opening and closing them. Once your gear is set up and calibrated, controlling the blinds is quite nice. The gear has an X at the top that means stop, and you can tap along a vertical line to set how open or closed you want the shades. It's a linear thing, you can a continuous thing, I should say. You can tap anywhere along it. As I mentioned earlier, access to our blinds pull cord is a bit difficult as you have to kneel on the couch and reach behind it to get to the controller. So the the app is a way easier way to get to it for us. Their gear app is snappy, fluid, and very functional. The screens are well laid out, so it's obvious what should happen on each screen. You see a list of your shades on the main screen, and a simple tap shows you the controller on screen, allowing you to tap on one of the four open-close set points or to any spot along the graphic slide controller. You can set up schedules for when you want the shades to change and by how much. They offer some templates that are pretty useful, like a weekend schedule that's different from your weekday schedule, so you can sleep in. Alternatively, you can create your own schedule from scratch. This scheduling feature is exactly what Steve wanted. Such a simple thing, but so delightful to have it happen automatically every morning and every evening. One of the requirements for a good automation tool is that more than one person be able to control the device through their phone. After Steve had all the fun of setting up the gear on his phone, I installed the Axis app on my phone. I tapped the plus button to add a device, it asked me to press the pair button on the controller, and then it showed me a list of nearby Bluetooth devices. We have a lot. Anyway, one of the devices was called Living Room Blinds. I tapped it and it said, oh yeah, somebody's already set up these shades. Would you like to add it to your dashboard? I said yes, and I was done. I do not believe I've ever seen an easier addition of a smart home device to a second user. Also, one other thing is I can't see the schedule he set up, and I'm curious, could I set up another schedule and mess it all up? I'm half tempted to write one that conflicts with his so the poor thing goes bananas. Well, Gear works over Bluetooth, as I mentioned, and it supports Zigbee. So with a compatible hub, you can control Gear over the internet. It's not HomeKit compatible, which is a disappointment, but it does solve the main problem we had. Gear does have a group function in beta, so I think that means if you have several Axis Gears, you can have them perform their magic in unison. The bottom line is that the installation of the Gear Axis motorized shade controller is relatively easy and works with any type of shade that has a loop for a pull cord or chain. The setup in the app is delightful and easy if you remember to put the backplate on the device. 
Human support from Axis is outstanding. Steve is really happy that he doesn't have to open and close the darn blinds twice every single day. There is only one significant downside, and it's fairly significant. The Axis gear is $250. Well, maybe these kinds of devices are going to come down in price over time, and then it can be a more affordable solution to a problem you might have. Well, a lot of people like to play chess online, but a lot of people like to play it in the analog world. And it looks like the, this uh, square off is a smart chessboard that might be able to bring the two together, but in kind of a mysterious, creepy kind of way. I'm here with uh, Bavia Gohil. Did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. All right. So we've got audio and video listeners. So we're standing in front of what looks like a standard chessboard. It's got a bunch of chess pieces. We got them set up to start a new game. And what do we do next? Yeah. So we have an Android and iOS app for this. It's called Square Off. Uh, so this is the app. We have three modes. Uh, you can play against the artificial intelligence with 20 different difficulty levels, or you can challenge any of your friends across the globe, or you can also live stream professional matches on this physical board. So let's wait. So I could play somebody real, a real human, and I would be seeing their their chess pieces move. That's correct. That's correct. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so we will we'll play right now against the AI. So let's get started. So. I'll I'll say so you can select your side black or white let's say I select black side now I can select my difficulty level as I said we have 20 different difficulty levels let's make it real easy yep <laughs> okay let's say I, I did 6 okay so now that's about it so we are done now we can directly start playing now you don't have to play with your phone anymore no, not at all so I'm totally off the screen and on the physical board so okay the white saw. the white person just they just move can I move one yes so I think you push down right. and then you move it perfect did I move it too far no that, that's okay I don't play chess okay <laughs> Oh, oh, the knight just moved around. The oh, that was cool. It slid around between two pieces. That was great. I I'm lost now. So let's try another move. Let's fight back. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, that knight just moved its own pawn out of the way. <laughs> That's... All right. This is a hot game of chess we got going on here. So this is really interesting. We're seeing the uh, the the uh, pieces move on on the board as though you've got somebody sitting there, and like you said, it can be somebody anywhere in the world, right. or it can be a grandmaster level. Right. And and now uh, Steve asked beforehand about what kind of levels from a the official chess standing right. standpoint. How high can it go? So it can it can be as low as eight hundred ELO, and it can go as high as about three thousand ELO. Okay, so almost high enough to challenge Steve, I guess, is what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. So, so from beginners to grandmasters, it's, it is for everyone. You know, it's a good chess companion for everyone. And you can also upskill your games. So because you are always uh, increasing your level if you are playing again and again. Yeah, that's very cool. So the way these are moving is magnetically, I assume, underneath? Yes, that's correct. All the pieces are magnetic and there's a robotic arm beneath this box. Uh, so that arm goes beneath that piece and it drags the pieces. Oh, that is really, really cool. You sure there's not a little guy under here? <laughs> no, no, it looks a little bit thin. So uh, when do you expect to have this on the market? So we uh, we are already in the market. Uh, we sell on Amazon as well. So we have two variants, Kingdom set and the Grand Kingdom set. This right now, which you see, is the special edition black version, but it's not out in the market yet. We expect it to be out in about three months from now. 
Okay, so for the ones that are on the market, what kind of pricing are we talking about? So the Kingdom set is $369, and the Grand Kingdom set is $449. Okay, so not too crazy expensive. This is really cool. I like the melding of the physical and the uh, and the electronic from the future and pulling it together. That's really neat. I'm so, so people, glad you like it. People who want to find out more, where would they go? So you can buy it on squareofnow.com, or you can also find it on Amazon. Awesome. I'll make sure to get our Amazon affiliate link right here. (laughs) I talk a lot about two great ways to help support the show. Using the links I provide to products on Amazon and signing up for Patreon to give recurring financial support. But there's actually a third way. You could go to podfeet.com slash PayPal like Paul Nealon did and give a donation of any amount via PayPal. You know I love doing the show, and I would probably fund the cost of doing it even if you didn't help out, but Paul showed me that he gets value from the show, and that's worthy of his financial support. Be cool like Paul, and use the method that's right for you to help support the show. Well, in Southern California, we don't have water, but what we do have is sun. So I'm always interested in solar products. And so uh, I'm talking to Colin Guernsey of GoSun. Yep. How are you doing today? Good. I'm fantastic. I'm really excited to be at CES. All right. Very few products caught my attention in their press releases. It's a very short list. But one of them was this these cool solar ovens you got going on here. Sure. So this is an audio podcast, but it's also a video podcast. So you got to describe everything in oh, an perfect. ornate detail, too. Then, right? Oh, yeah. There cool. you go. All right. So we've got two units here. One is a little tiny thing. One's a great big thing. Let's start with the big one. Yeah. So this is our solar electric oven. So one of the needs that we found after we did a lot of our ovens, which are just solar, is that people ask, well, can I cook at night or can I cook in the rain or can I cook in situations where there's no sun? Can I cook in Seattle? Can I cook in Seattle or Ohio where we're based? Uh, And we had to say no. But then we were like, all right, we need a solution for this. So we made a solar electric oven. And so in the sun, you can use the reflectors and cook your food. Or at night or in the rain, you can plug it in and you plug it into a power bank just like this. And then you can power it for about an hour and get your food cooked. All right, so i got to describe what this thing is. This basically looks like uh, a satellite. It's got it's got two wings that have opened up, one up and one down, that are, are highly reflective on the inside. Then there's a tube that looks like it's uh, glass of some sort. And uh, we've, we've got Peter standing by for the high-tech questions. Uh, this this tube, what is that glass made out of? Is that anything can, in particular? Can, I got that one. Yeah, he's got, uh, that, he's one. got that one. All right, Colin knows that. You can essentially compare it to the Pyrex in your in your kitchen. So okay. it's, it's a it's a multi-layer glass that collects the sun's rays and puts them into this tube and allows the food to cook. So, so. out of the end of this tube comes this slot sort of thing that slides out, and he's got a bunch of... Uh, they look like vegetables in there. Are, th- are those real vegetables? Those are real vegetables. Where did we, you get these? We stole from the appetizers at CES. I'm, yeah, not, you, I'm not ashamed. You knew nobody was taking that zucchini, right? Oh, for sure. It's going to stay there all night. Right, right. Okay, so uh, you got a bunch of vegetables in there. Let's say I want them nice and crispy. Do you like pour oil in there? What do you or just you steam can pretty them? much do, do any type of cook you want. You can do a light fry. It's not. It's not a portable fryer. Let's just get that straight. You cannot do pickle chips in here like perfectly, uh, but you can do a light fry. You can do a bake. Uh, you can do like a slow cook. And with the electric version, you can amp that up a little bit if you do the sun and that. You can cook it really fast. So it's very flexible. Um, if you just do it in like a light sunlight, it's like a slow cooker approach. Um, so it's a really, really nice cook. 
And this this new one that you're burn. showing off here that has the solar and electric, that seems good for the backyard barbecue sort of thing. It's uh, great. But this, this little tiny unit here, is, it looks like sort of a fold-up. Can you fold that up for the camera for here? Sure. <laughs> it's a much can, smaller version. It's just a couple sure. feet long. And it's only oh, yeah, two you, pounds. Oh, yeah. You could throw that in a backpack. Yep. You can throw it in a backpack. You can zip it up. And then uh, we do have a little strap here if you want to, like, a carabiner or something like that. Oh, so it's you really, go. really flexible. It's, like I said, it's only two pounds. It you're, cooks. Not, you're not going to cook a steak in that, though, unless you... You can cut. get a strip steak well, in there. Well, you've got a lot of tiny little strips, I suppose. Oh, yeah, you can do sure. it. Hey, don't discount the steak. Now, so. how long would it take to cook a steak in this little tiny unit here? Uh, about 30 minutes. I mean, really? you might not get, medium like, rare? an ultra well done. No, it's going to be better than medium rare. Um, and that's I like medium rare. Sun. If you want medium rare, then you got it. I'll cook whatever you want. Okay, so now you've got this unit, uh, the uh, uh, little toy one that you take on the uh, on camping. Call it a toy. Sorry, the camping unit. You've got it sitting on a camping table, but half of it looks like it's a solar panel. What is this? For sure. So this is our new solar table. Uh, this will be debuting on a crowdfunding campaign shortly, and it goes with the whole system. Imagine your DeWalt drill. Uh, it's essentially a battery that can work for multiple things. So right now, the two things that it's going to work for are a solar cooler down here. So oh, we got a cooler here. We've got a beer and a gin and tonic sitting on it. There you go. It just looks like so, a regular cooler, but what does it do? The table will power the the power bank and then the power bank comes down here and powers the cooler uh, and we can power the cooler for hours on end so it reduces the need for ice you really don't need ice it can actually create ice it could go down to negative create ice degrees. from the sun that's awesome i know it's incredible it's actually very surprising you can do that so it actually goes to negative degrees and so you can make that ice very simply so my friends dean and suzanne actually opened the windows in their house in in uh, uh utah and they use solar energy to air condition the house while they get the windows open from the sun. There you go. Not wasting anything. It's hilarious. That's incredible. So, it, so you've also got some solar panels down here just kind of hanging sure. out. So, Ooh, so the, those are heavy. Yeah, so this is another option. Uh, the solar panel is to be determined of what it is, um, but this solar panel will be able to run things as well. So you can okay, charge so your you're power doing bank. Okay, so you like a whole so ecosystem you, here. Yeah, so it's like the Apple ecosystem, but for kitchen appliances for All from the outdoors. solar perspective. Right? Yeah, so it's a camp kitchen outdoors. So you can go from camp all the way to the backyard. Now, you've got a little uh, sensor here. What, what is that for here? For sure. So this is our GoSun Thermo, uh, and it goes to an app. It allows you to put the probe into your food. So your chicken, which is a really important one, you want it to be 165. Yeah, you do. Not a thing lower, and we, we wouldn't advertise anything different. Um, you put it in the food, and then you slide it in the tray. So you would just right here put it in the food, slide it in the tray. It fits really easily, and then you click this on, and then you connect it to an app on your smartphone, and then you say, I want it to reach 165, and let, let me know when it gets there. And then right. I'm going to be out uh, down by the river sipping a cold one because I just want a big old hike, right? Yeah, and it's really hard to burn things in there, which is really, really easy Ooh, good easy point. to do on the fire. So it's a really, really good cook. Hey, that's another thing. In California, fires, we don't like fires, so no. this is a much better way and to This go. is a really, really good thing to take to national parks, which have uh, like a really, really low propane tolerance. You have to take a very small propane. Oh, and so right, national right. parks or anywhere, especially during a fire ban, you can take it. It's not going to start a fire. We've literally put paper in there during a cook, and it hasn't started a fire. So it's very safe. So it doesn't get to 451 then? It, it does, actually. Oh, it does. Fahrenheit it, it, 451, you know the book? That's why it's called? Yes, I do. Burns. I remember high school. Yeah, there we go. Go high school. Uh, Wasn't okay, very so, long ago for me. <laughs> hey, 
I knew he would insult my age. I knew it. I could just tell you he was going to do too. that. <laughs> yeah, sure I did. Um, so uh, the the camp version is that for sale already or no? It is. This one is available retail on our site for one thirty nine. Oh wow, that's not bad at all. No, it's it's a really good price to get into I the solar wanna, cooking game. I want to bring it out to a backyard barbecue and just throw hot dogs we in it. We can make the that happen. We also have another version that's for two or three people, which is called the Sport, and that retails for two forty nine. Oh, okay, so this is the individual unit. This is you make a hot dog and three, yeah, three you could actually make about five hot dogs in here. Okay, uh, five to cool. six hot dogs. So. And then you're just debuting the uh, solo electric yep. version. We've got the Fusion and that's about five people. And then we'd also have a grill, a Gosun grill for about eight people. Wow. So this is this is really cool. Uh, as much as I've teased you and made fun of you, this is a lot of fun. Where uh, can right. people go to learn more about Gosun products? Uh, Gosun.co. So not Gosun.com, but Gosun.co. Because they're hip and cool. It's Gosun.co. That's well, right. thank you very much. This has been fun. Thank you so much. In July 2011, Apple introduced its latest operating system, Lion. While there were many major advancements, Apple did one thing that made many of us very angry. They removed the Save As option from all the applications. It was a terrible thing. I was amongst the very many who protested such silliness. There are so many great reasons to have Save As. Let's say you have a presentation you created for MacStock and you want to modify it to talk at Dave Ginsburg Chicago Users Group. Open the presentation, choose Save As, give it a new name, save it to a new location, and then edit without destroying the original. Without Save As, you can use File Duplicate. The problem I have with this approach is that by default, it saves to the original location. Now you have to know to add a teeny tiny little downward chevron, which opens a dialog where you can change the name, add some tags, and choose where to save. But for some idiotic reason, they chose not to give you a standard finder dialog for save. I don't know why they did this. The option to change location is a pull down, which shows your iCloud library folders at the top, then your favorites, and I have a lot of favorites, then recent places, and only after that, it says other in teeny little letters, which finally, if you hit that, it gives you a standard finder save dialog box. In addition to be an awful lot of extra scrolling and digging to get to the save location, I truly hate that little chevron. First of all, it's really, really slow. So I click it and nothing happens. So I click it again, right as it finally opens, which means by clicking, turned it off again, and I have to hit it again. It's been eight years since Apple made this change and I still have to click it three times every single time. I should mention that with Mount Lion, Apple gave us back Save As, but in a passive-aggressive way. They put it under a secret menu only available if you hold down the Option key before you select File from the menu bar. Like hostages with the Stockholm Syndrome, we praised Apple for letting us have it back. Well, I remember arguing with Bart about how stupid this whole change was because he saw the virtues of what Apple had created. They called it their modern document model. You see, the removal of Save As was a byproduct of their autosave feature. The idea is that we're too stupid to save our documents, even though we've been saving them since the dawn of computing. With Lion, you don't have to worry your pretty little head about it. The second purpose, the second purpose, I should say, was versioning. And this is where Bart was a big fan. The idea is that if you make a mistake, you can dial back to a previous version and receive that past state. While this sounds swell, In the eight years since it arrived, I haven't once been able to retrieve the document state that I desired. 
I know how to see versions, but when I go there to look, it never goes back as far as I need, and most of the time, there's no versions from which to choose. I know I'm probably doing it wrong. I'm holding it wrong, right? But I haven't ever spent enough time to figure out why. Instead, I've just given up trying. I don't ever use it. Bart seemed to find the versioning useful and understood why people liked it and needed it, so we eventually stopped arguing about it. But it never stopped bugging me. And you might be wondering why I took you on a trip down memory lane that's pushing a decade old. Perhaps I should now describe the problem to be solved. Well, I finally saw the first benefit of the autosave in the modern document model. If I hadn't mentioned what I'd experienced to Bart, though, I never would have known that that was the cause of my great joy. As you know, Bart has been teaching us programming in the podcast Programming by Stealth. Programming is a great opportunity to spend a lot of time picking out a text editor. What's more fun than picking tools? I'm not an advanced programmer. In fact, I'd be more appropriately described as still being on the bunny slope of programming, but I do understand some of the things you want to look for in a text editor. For example, syntax highlighting is key. Let's say you're declaring a constant in JavaScript. If you correctly type const, C-O-N-S-T, it should change color. If you mistype it and instead write C-O-N-T-S, it would not change color. This gives you an immediate visual indication that you've made an error. This syntax highlighting needs to adapt to the language in which you're writing. There's another feature I really like, and that's the ability to run the program you're writing inside the text editor. It's much more efficient than keeping a browser window open if you're editing for the web, say, and having to refresh that window after you save in your text editor. It's pretty darn handy if your text editor automatically includes a closing bracket when you put in an opening bracket. The bane of our existence as programmers is trying to hunt down where we've forgotten to close a bracket or maybe closed it twice. Some text editors will give you yet another visual indicator of when you've closed your brackets. The way they do this is when you're next to or say crossing over a bracket, they highlight the matching bracket in some way. This is another critical feature. If your text editor automatically indents when appropriate, that can be another visual indicator of where you've opened and closed things. You can't count on it because it turns out the user can override the correct indenting like I do all the time and mess it up, but it is a good start. Finally, in my short list of requirements is the concept of code folding. Let's say you've got something you need to see on line 50, but you also want to be able to check it against something on line 387. If you could fold up all of the functions in between these two lines, you'd be able to see both at the same time. Folding is also another way to see whether you've closed your brackets properly. If a section of code doesn't fold as you'd expect, you'd know you messed up one of those pesky brackets. I've been on a quest to find one code editor that does all of these things, but I haven't found one. CodeRunner from CodeRunnerApp.com for $15 or via setup does almost everything I need. It has two places where it falls short, though. You can run your cursor across a bracket and it'll highlight the matching one, but if the matching one is off screen, you can't see it. I have not found a way to see both at the same time. CodeRunner also doesn't do code folding. It does run your code, which is swell, so you can see it running right there. That's really neat, but it can't do the other two things. Well, Atom is another terrific text editor, which is open source and is available for free from atom.io. It does all of the basics like syntax highlighting and putting in matching brackets, but it doesn't run your code like CodeRunner does. However, it beats CodeRunner in two ways. First, it has code folding, and second, when you put your cursor next to a bracket, it puts a line under the bracket 
and the matching bracket. If the matching bracket is off screen, you can scroll until you find it, and it stays with that little underline. I have been caught between these two editors for a long time, switching back and forth depending on what I need to do. The other day, I discovered something glorious. I happened to open both code editors at the same time with the same document open. I prefer editing in Code Runner, but I needed to do some code folding and bracket matching over in Atom. I started typing in Code Runner, and I glanced over at Atom, and guess what? The changes I put in Code Runner were reflected over in Atom. It was positively magic. I didn't know how the developers on the Atom project had accomplished such sorcery, but I was delighted. I mentioned this to Bart during Programming by Stealth and explained that Adam hadn't done any magic at all. What the developers had done, and Code Runner's developers had done as well, was actually use the APIs, the application program interfaces, from Apple to take advantage of the modern document model introduced way back in Lion. He explained, without once saying I told you so, that when I was editing in Code Runner, it was auto-saving, then in Atom it was auto-updating to the saved version. This is magical, as I said, and I finally must concede after eight years that the loss of Save As was worth it. As long as I can option file Save As, of course. I'm a big fan of the company IO Gear. Just such as some really nice little solutions to problems. They've got a sign here that says Thunderbolt 3 USB-C. We got to talk to this guy. This is Michael Volpe from IO Gear. Hi, how's everyone doing this evening? Oh, we're doing good. So we're doing an audio and video podcast. So we got to describe things and you can point at the same well, time. I will try my best. All right. Well, where you don't, I'll, I'll say how big things are. All right. What do you What do you want to show us today? So one of our newest products is our. 60 gigahertz, ultra-fast, 4K uh, video extender. It's a fun little product that we actually won our 2019 uh, Innovation Award honoree. Uh, one of the great things about it is, in addition to looking amazing, it so brought... It's a triangle. It is it's a, a triangle. triangle. And on the back, I'm seeing uh, power, uh, HDMI. We've got, uh, what is that, USB? USB. So what does this do? So this is a 4K wireless transmitter. It sends in true 4K up to 60 feet. From one, so- from one HDMI source to another uh, HDMI television. So an ultra, so you can do ultra HD uh, TV and transmission with a dedicated 60 gigahertz uh, bandwidth. bandwidth. So, so I, I don't get the use case for this. What, do I so, want to watch TV in two rooms at the same thing? What am I doing with well, this? This is one of those scenarios where if you have a source in another space across the hall or in another point of the living room, you can set it up over there and then set this up so that there are no wires between oh, so you. the TV. And, oh, okay. So with your brand new 4K television and your brand new 4K Blu-ray player, you can get crystal clear, near, near zero latency between the two devices. Wow, that's pretty slick. All right. Now, th- this looks fun. What is, what is that? So this is our 4K four-port HD switch. It allows you to connect up to... Four devices. Okay, it's for four HDMI sources. One is that one in and, and three out? No, three in and one out. Right. There we go. So it allows you to have uh, multiple devices that you can toggle between because, as we know, the televisions have been decreasing in the number of HDMI switches, but. We have more, to- more, more toys. So many more toys. Well, we had to buy a receiver with, I think, six HDMI ports that cost a fortune. Yes. So we can get, well, you could get one of these and Seeing switch between these, them. Nice. And you have the ability to do remote 
So you can jump between the... Oh, sweet. So you can only use the one HDMI port and have up to four devices playing on it. Nice. And it and it's 4K supports uh, HDMI to... It's what is it? HTCP 2.1? It's 2.2. 2.2. 2. Sorry, I got yes. that off by one. I was close. <laughs> All right. What else you got? So we've got uh, a number of cool new devices, including our upcoming uh, docking station for the Surface uh, Go. Okay. Uh, it allows for... USB-C, HDMI out, and actually you can charge another device and so the laptop. Power delivery? Power delivery, as well as pass-through. Okay. Now, would this work on an iPad as well? Uh, it wouldn't work on an iPad. It's actually custom-built for... Oh, for that weird connector they got. Yes. Ah. Okay, so it's got the proprietary... Wait, that, that's a... No, that looks like USB-C. No, oh, but it's yes. also got an, a headphone. So it's, it's been custom-built for the Surface Go. Okay. That's cool. It's a, a, a need that we've seen in the marketplace for that particular provider. All right. Here's a USB Type-C thing. I want to play with this. Yes. What is this? So this is our six-card SD reader with Thunderbolt 3. Oh, holy You can cow. actually access all six cards at the same time. So who does six uh, SD cards at the same time? So if you're videographers? a videographer, pro, a, you know, pro AV person doing a lot of video work with their camera, He's pointing uh, at Steve right now. <laughs> this is a compact little thing like the size of a deck of cards or a smartphone maybe with six SD card slots. And you've got the Thunderbolt 3 set up so that we can total, you can kind of get the benefit. Through. Okay, cool. All right. And then, now, of course... Now, if the flash is down here at the end, right? <laughs> this is a crazy-looking keyboard. I'm going to describe it a little bit. The uh, keys are changing color. They're green, they're blue, they're red, they're purple. we got all the rainbow going on. What is this for? So this is our Hover Pro RGB. It's the latest from our Caliber Gaming line. Uh, it is features full RGB. Each key can be independently so sourced with a different color. You can set up to 16 macros, so you can have multiple fun. We have it on the default where it's just kind of flashing through right now. Uh -huh. uh, but it's built with a, a nice solid aluminum case. That is beautiful. Uh, but one of the nice things about it is it comes in both the red mechanical switch and the brown mechanical switch. So for that gamer who wants that hardcore click, this is the keyboard for you. And we kind of live in a nice space between the Razors and the HyperX's and the lower right around the $80 MSRP. Okay, so affordable. Very affordable. We kind of like try to target the budget gamer right now. Okay, cool. Uh, and of course this supports our Keymander product, which is a kind of fun revolutionary piece of technology that allows you to connect your keyboard and mouse to your Xbox and PlayStation 4 so you can oh. play any game via the keyboard and mouse, even if it's not supported by the developers. Well, very cool. Looks like IO Gear is into a lot of fun stuff now. Yes, we've been kind of exploring a lot of new areas for over the past five to ten years, and it's kind of, we've, we've come a long way from the KVMs that we were known for and moved into areas that... I had that KVM. I mean, everyone had that KVM. That was kind of, we built our whole business on the KVM, and we've been rapidly expanding into these new areas over the last five to ten years. Very good. So if people want to learn more about IO Gear, they would go to? www.iogear.com. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the show. Well, that's going to wind us up for this week. Do not forget to send your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions by emailing me at allison at podfeet.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. Want to become a Patreon? Go to podfeet.com slash Patreon. 
Want to join our Slack group? It's awesome in there. Podfeed.com slash Slack. Want to join our Facebook group? Podfeed.com slash Facebook. Want to join the live chat during the live show? Podfeed.com slash chat on Discord. Want to find those Amazon affiliate links? Podfeed.com slash Amazon. If you want to donate, you heard about that earlier, podfeed.com slash PayPal. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show and have experiences like watching us have all kinds of audio problems and video problems and have my grandson come in and talk on the open mic, you can come see that at podfeed.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways like Forbes. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.